everyone. Good morning. It's Friday, the 27th of April, 2018. Welcome back to another episode of Autonomous Cars with Mark Hogue, the first and only podcast in the world dedicated entirely to autonomous cars. Today, BMW thinks humans aren't ready for autonomous cars. Meanwhile, a Tesla autopilot saves just such a human from a semi-truck and a Tesla Autopilot executive quits. All this, right now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so before we kick things off this morning, just a cool thing to point out. Today, being the 27th of April, means that this podcast has now been going strong for two months to the day. Yeah, hard to believe. I uh, launched this thing back on uh, March, excuse me, February 27th, um, and now here we are, 24 episodes deep, thanks to your support, feedback, ratings, reviews, and of course, sharing with your friends and colleagues. I've been hugely uh, incentivized to keep growing this thing. So uh, really, this is a huge uh, thank you to all of you for your interest and support. And it looks like we've got a pretty bright and exciting future in the coming months with future episodes ahead. So thank you very much for that. Let's get started here. Um, so BMW, yeah, according to a report over at carbuzz.com, well, BMW seems to think that we mere mortals just aren't ready for, or alternatively, that we simply can't handle autonomous cars. So, turns out there's a particular board member at BMW, uh, who goes by the name of Peter Schwarzenbauer. Um, he's based over at the Research and Development Center in Munich. According to Herr Schwarzenbauer, uh, it turns out that, well... The issue is not simply whether some sort of connectivity and smarter vehicles are not in order, but rather that full autonomy itself is really a long way off, that basically it's neither necessary nor desired by humans. So I'm making a really big point about this whole sort of by humans thing, uh, his whole sort of point being that it's not so much that automakers themselves don't want to do or can't do full autonomy, but rather the market just isn't ready for it, either due to a lack of necessity or desire. So to be super clear, though, um, and if you're sensing this is kind of going to loop back to our previous episode from, what, two days ago, you're absolutely right. Because in that episode, if you remember, or if you haven't, go ahead and give it a listen real quick. Um, you know, we raised this really intriguing issue uh about the difference in philosophy, say, between Waymo and their approach to autonomous cars and, well, just about everybody else. The issue being that Waymo had said, that, well, they had decided quite a while back, you know, it doesn't make sense to roll out in an iterative fashion this autonomous car tech for the public, meaning it didn't make sense to do sort of level three and then level four and finally level five, but that it really had to be sort of a binary solution, all or nothing as it were. So level five cars, nothing else besides that. In contrast, of course, all the other automakers, uh, Tesla, uh, 
let's see, cruise automation uh, under GM, Uber, Volvo, Mercedes, really just about everybody else, they're all moving as quickly as possible, iterating as quickly as possible through each of the various levels in this sort of spectrum of autonomy from level two up to level three and then four and then eventually five, of course, the holy grail cars without steering wheels, gas and brake pedal. Okay, looping this all back now to BMW. So, you know, he's, he, he's basically making the point, well, let me just begin with his admittedly perfectly sound rhetorical question in which he says simply, will society accept this? I don't believe society is ready to hand over responsibility for its life to a machine. We will go step by step. Level three will probably be acceptable, but anything further than that will take a lot of time, end quote. So it's... Before I dive into the details here of really kind of what this is implying, it's interesting to note that he's all right with level three, but therefore presumably not all right with level four. I mean, besides the fact that, well, there's only one step between three and five, which is, you know, and so if he's all right with three and he's, and sorry, if he's not all right with level three and he is all right with level five, well, that means then the only level at issue is level four. But this is a bit weird, right? Because level three is actually... Well, you know, that's that frankly that that's kind of the most interim stage, isn't it? Because level 4 is all about sort of the car can do first and last mile journeys, meaning door to door without driver intervention. However, it may be the case that the driver may be asked to take over and even then, not sort of suddenly without warning, but really with ample warning. And that's a big that's a very big important distinction, right? Uh, level three, of course, is really kind of more what Tesla is just starting to kind of bump into, right? Um, sort of, yeah, the driver has to be very, very alert. And indeed, uh, the cars are always going to ask for the driver's hands to be on the wheel. This is the sort of system you'll see in things like uh, Mercedes, uh, I guess certain BMWs, certain Cadillac, um, things like that. So think of these systems as the really, really advanced uh, adaptive radar-based cruise controls along with... Uh, very good uh, active lane keep assist. So another good example, of course, is Volvo with their new XC90 and S90. Um, so, 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 so I just do find this really weird, and I just want to make that clear that it seems he's all right with this sort of very interim stage of level three, um, but he's not okay with level four, and then of course he is okay with level five. But but okay, let's just take that at face value and kind of dive further into this. What is he really getting at? What is he okay with? So his approach, his view is that rather than sort of trying to fast track more autonomy that is not yet at level five. So again, meaning, you know, rather than trying to fast track level four into consumers' hands, his whole point is that it's really, really important to focus on sort of the connectivity and the, how shall we say, the sort of more intangible aspects of what will eventually lead or at least augment level five cars. So as we discussed last time, it's one thing to have a car which is really, really good, really capable of seeing and interacting and uh, reacting to the world around it, right? But it's another thing entirely to implement a system, a sort of network, as it were, of kind of omnipresent uh sort of situationally aware vehicles, right? Uh, so the example we gave last time was something like 
vehicle to vehicle and vehicle to infrastructure communications, right? So this is the sort of thing where, by uh, example, um, new Mercedes E-classes are now aware of each other's presence, or at least they're they're able to be. Um, uh, other cars perhaps will be able to get information and feedback from, say, traffic signals and road signs. So it won't be a matter of actively looking at and reading this information in the world around it using LiDAR, cameras, sensors, etc. Rather, it'll be a matter of these cars actually being passively in communication with all the stuff around it. So again, the textbook case on uh, you know, that I have in mind here is, you know, you've got two cars approaching an intersection. For whatever reason, there's something blocking their view of each other and of that intersection. And let's say, for instance, even of the streetlight or stop sign itself. For example, there's a big truck in the way. Um, and so, so basically, it's a, for lack of a better word, it's a totally blind intersection, right? As a mere human, as a mere mortal, I've been in this situation before, and I mentioned this in a previous episode. In this situation where you can't really see anything, yes, of course, the human driver will naturally tend to slow down just out of an abundance of caution, right? Well, the cars, okay, presumably they're going to be uh, programmed to do the same. But beyond that, this notion of sort of inter-car connectability, this vehicle-to-vehicle communication, vehicle-to-infrastructure communication, what it means that is that in the absence of a direct line of sight, so to say, um, they will be receiving this information over the air. So they're going to be aware of this stuff even though they can't see it. And so that's a really, really important thing. And it sounds like this is kind of BMW's uh, view on all of this. So now that we understand this at a sort of high level, let's just dive into kind of what BMW are on about. The idea is basically this. They're going to be collecting, and they have indeed been already collecting, a massive amount of data. This is all sort of what we're talking about here is cloud-connected data. Apparently, 700,000 BMWs on the road currently generate a whopping 250 million data requests per day. Uh, so that's obviously just a staggering amount of data, right? And so the idea is that BMW, BMW want to keep using all of this real-time data that's being generated by the cameras, by the sensors, in all of these, these new sort of connected cars that BMW is rolling out. They want to make this data available and accessible to all of their future cars. Their whole point then is rather than you know, fast-tracking the active uh, level four and f- uh, well, the level four cars with their active ability to see the world around them, they're really focusing first and foremost on this sort of what I call the more passive augmentation of real world awareness with this data that all the cars can tap. So uh, the platform in use here, <laughs> pun intended, is indeed the open platform called Here. Uh, this is the open platform mapping system, which uh, apparently all three of the big German companies own together. So BMW, along with Mercedes and Audi. So um, hopefully this kind of helps solidify BMW's perspective on all this. I have to say, though, I kind of wonder whether this is... I mean, okay, so first of all, I don't necessarily disagree with this approach. In fact, quite the contrary. I agree that having two approaches to autonomous cars, both the active sort of visual sensing of the world around, as well as this more passive augmentation through sort of crowdsourced data and vehicle to vehicle, vehicle to infrastructure communication. I'm fine with all of that, you know, but I'm, but I'm thinking, I wonder BMW being such a, for lack of a better term, such a driver centric brand, right? Remember, this is the automaker that's always sort of called itself the ultimate driving machine. You know, 
BMW, for instance, were always about driving dynamics first, luxury and comfort second, in contrast, say, to Mercedes, who were always about luxury first, driving dynamics second, excluding, I suppose, their AMG division, which, of course, was more of an afterthought in the last couple decades, BMW, of course, having got started with their M division much further back. So, you know, this could just be a way of kind of tempering the public perception. I mean, just to use a more sort of outlandish example, suppose for a moment, well, forget BMW, let's look at Porsche, right? Suppose that Porsche came along and said suddenly, hey, you know what, guys, we're going to be fast-tracking level five autonomy in the next three years, all of our cars will be available with full level five autonomy. In fact, there won't even be a steering wheel inside of our cars. That's, I mean, hmm. if you thought that the public outcry when Porsche switched from, say, air-cooled engines to water-cooled engines was, you know, was a piercing shriek through the automotive universe, if you thought that when Porsche announced they were going to release, say, an SUV, if you thought that just sort of set the whole world ablaze in a fury and anger like Automotive Kingdom had never seen before, well, just wait till you see what happens if Porsche say they're going to start rolling out cars without steering wheels. This wouldn't just be bad PR. It would be catastrophic for the brand. So, I don't know. And part, part of me, I kind of feel like this could just be kind of a marketing play just to sort of sort of assuage the public, sort of to just reassure everybody, hey, don't worry, we're still going to be that ultimate driving machine that you so much want and, and love. And all right, well, that, that's kind of my roundabout sort of analysis of what's going on here. But uh, curious what you all think, as always, do keep the comments coming in. You can write them, you can leave me voicemails here if you're listening on the anchor.fm platform. I think this is an interesting discussion to have. So let's let's definitely have it. And um, yeah, curious what you all have to say. All right, so back to Tesla on the other end of the spectrum of sort of whether to fast-track fully autonomous cars or not. Well, another day, another miraculous story of a Tesla not being killed by autopilot, but rather saved thanks to autopilot. Uh, In this case, apparently a driver moving along the freeway, he claims that autopilot saved him from a crash with a semi-truck. Uh, this story over at electric.co. Um, it, it is admittedly one of those sort of blink-and-you'll-miss-it moments, but then that would make sense, wouldn't it? Because if you're avoiding being, oh, I don't know, flattened by a, what, 10, 20, 40 ton, I actually don't know what these things weigh, uh, big rig truck, uh, yeah, it is going to be a very quick thing, isn't it? I mean, you're going to have to swerve and avoid it and just kind of be on your way. And well, that's exactly what happens here. If you go over to this article, um, again, it's over at electrek.co, that's E-L-E-C-T-R-E-K.co. Uh, they've got the video there for you to see it in all of its glory. So yeah, it's a two-lane highway. Um, Tesla in the right lane, a big rig ahead of it, and then somewhat shockingly, really, a big rig starts to overtake him on the left, and as it's doing so, well, all of a sudden the truck sort of seems to drift into into the lane of the Tesla, which immediately does this just really phenomenal sort of quick dart to the right, and then back again into the lane. I mean... Admittedly, there's nothing, you you can't see the steering wheel, you can't really see whether the driver was involved. I mean, the camera's just looking sort of straight ahead, but I I don't have any reason to believe someone would be fabricating this. It 
just it doesn't make any sense. I would rather assume that this is true and then be proven wrong rather than assume that we can't trust this sort of a, you know, uh, a driver's story. But um, yeah, do check it out. Pretty impressive. Um, frankly, it's a nice thing to see in light of the, shall we say, tragically suboptimal results in recent days, not least of which the horrific fatal crash with the Model X in Mountain View and I guess what yesterday's or two days ago crashed the Model X plowing through two walls just to hit the gym literally and figuratively. So yeah, this then is a really cool story. Do check out the video. It's very cool indeed. All right. So just a quick note, speaking about Tesla, um, specifically it's autopilot division. It looks like it's chief, uh, one Jim Keller, Looks like he's leaving Tesla to go ahead and uh, join Intel, where he'll be the senior VP in charge of silicon engineering, this according to Intel. Meanwhile, he'll be succeeded by one Pete Bannon. Uh, he's also a Tesla executive. He had previously been over at Apple, where he was involved with chip development. All right, well, I guess that'll do it for today. Um, as always, I want to Thank you so much for your support, because again, as we started this episode, if it weren't for you, this would not have gone on for a full two months so far. You know, it's been super exciting on my end to see the the stats for this podcast continuing to grow, um, actually at a super lineal rate, I will say. So not exponentially yet, but definitely faster and faster every week. So that's super exciting to see indeed. Uh, I think, you know, not bad for such a young podcast. Uh, again, just two months old. This is what, our 24th episode so um, really exciting indeed. Thank you so much for your ongoing support. And as long as it keeps uh, pouring in, I promise to keep producing these episodes. So um, as always, please continue to, to share this podcast with your friends and colleagues. Like it, upvote it, leave reviews. Five stars are always preferable because of course they are. Um, if, you leave, you know, if you're listening on anchor.fm, remember you can always leave me a voicemail. The whole point of this podcast was to foster a sort of two-way discussion because what's the fun in a one-way monologue um but uh yeah that'll do it for today that is a wrap thank you so much for listening have a wonderful weekend talk to you next week bye-bye